This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning, and here we are at episode number 68 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth. Remember back in high school for your yearbook submission, you might have had to submit your pet peeves? Back then, it might have been nerdy people or band class. But now I find myself having matured, and my pet peeves are somewhat different. When it comes to stereotyping grandparents, I have a few peeves. But one of the biggest pet peeves I have is that we are not capable online or engaged or proficient in social media. I'll admit, I've never Snapchatted. My TikTok skills are left to lurking, but I do think I'm not bad at Twitter, Instagram, or the favorite of babies and old ladies, as my kids would say, Facebook. Mohit Rajans is a tech expert, and he's back on the show to tell us today how grandparents or seniors are tearing up TikTok and the other social media channels at our disposal. We're going to bust a few myths here, which will hopefully alleviate my personal pet peeve. Petty? Maybe. But what's wrong with being petty? Especially if your name is Ross and you're mounting the 27th production of your holiday pantomime. The last two years, Ross has given us this rip-roaring theater production online. See, we can do things online due to the pandemic. But this year, the show is back, live at the Elgin Theater. And happily, Ross himself is back to play his favorite villain, Captain Hook, after a short hiatus from performing and sitting in the producer's chair. Sadly, the reason why is because it's the last time Ross will mount the show. I chat with him about the legacy of laughter he's leaving behind and why he thinks the show resonates so much with so many generations. I'm sad my grandkids won't get to see this show in years to come. Can someone else please take this on? Speaking of legacies and petty things, oh, I worked hard for this segue. Today's Take 5 with RBC is all about estate planning for your pets. We've all heard the barking about what would happen to Queen Elizabeth's beloved corgis when she passed, and it came to pass that Prince Andrew and his ex-wife Sarah Ferguson took over the guardianship. So, let that be a warning that you need to ensure you have chosen the right person to look after your furry friends when the time comes. Doggone it, let's get this show going. Mohit Rajans is up next. Mohit Rogins has worked in the media business for 20 years and is currently a consultant in three verticals, digital, diversity, and dads. His blog, dadspotting.com, takes a new approach to parenthood by focusing on the next generation of fathers. Follow him on all socials or connect with him at thinkstart.ca. Good morning, Mohit. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about, well, sort of how seniors are maybe tearing up TikTok, but in general, sort of that whole demographic and what we're doing on social media. So let's start with, tell us how social media use has changed in the past five years when it comes to those different demographics. Well, the interesting thing about social media is that it's no longer a youth place to just uh, play around in or a sandbox for the youth. There's been several different generations that have now lived through the internet age. And now what we're starting to see is that, well, it's now more of a utility for people than it is for something, it's something they have to check in and on an everyday basis. So what I'm getting to specifically with the senior population, which is extremely exciting, is that From Facebook right down to WhatsApp Messenger, you're starting to see an enormous amount of connectedness amongst the community that's looking for everything from trying to connect with family to actually creating content that's viable for networks like TikTok and or on Snapchat. But the beauty about all of this is, Kathy, is that 
it's rules that people are creating for themselves. Mm. Now that we use social media platforms as places for community and to grow for our own personal reasons, seniors are finding a lot of success as a result of finding people that look, sound, and feel like they do. And I think that's the real beauty about using this technology. So what are some of the most common ways you've seen you know, seniors find value through social media? I think, well, for one, it's education. Mm -hmm. One of the things we can't forget is that during the pandemic especially, it was really tough to figure out what was happening from our local communities to an international news perspective. But it was the local information that many people needed. And so I find that seniors are really gravitating towards community groups on places like Meta and Facebook and other places like Twitter just to keep in the know as to what's happening. When we move to social platforms like TikTok, it's definitely one place that you can get a little bit of both. Right? You can get mm-hmm. education and entertainment. But the good thing about what seniors often do on TikTok is they share their experiences. And that's one of the things that was missing with social media over the past five to 10 years. The only people's experiences we were seeing for the longest time on our feeds were that of the youth or people that were living their best lives. Now what we're finding is that when people can control who they interact with, how they're on their feeds, you can do anything from dating with social media for the senior population, right down to meal planning. And I love it because it's no longer this time period now where you've got to get a kid to show you how to use something. (laughs) You can't break anything anymore, right? (laughs) Unless you drop your phone, which I don't recommend. Right. You know, you're not breaking your phone when you download an app that many people in your community are using to schedule times at a local club to, you know, do an exercise. You can't do anything wrong in that respect. Whereas five years ago, you might think to yourself, oh, I don't know how to download this properly. No, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, we talk about sort of living their best lives. A lot of us, you know, the 55 plus, we're also living our best lives. And you're right. That's what we're seeing turn up on TikTok. And part of living our best lives, of course, is using social media, you know, for health and wellness as well, I find. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. But one of the things I want to mention before I get into health and wellness is that when we talk about using the internet as for utility and we talk about health and wellness, we have to shy away from Dr. Google as right. well. And so what ends up happening, my big joke when I'm speaking to people, older people, not elder people, or just like people in general that I'm speaking to that aren't in my specific demographic, I say a consult a physician, not mm-hmm. a technician, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's true because with all of that still comes to positivity. And the positivity on health and wellness is something we could do a full segment on. So if we talk about wearables alone, just the gadgets that are integrated now from the Apple Watch to Fitbits, etc., they're no longer just step counters. They're things that can really enter, integrate into our life to, from a social media perspective, too. You, I'm starting to see people challenge each other mm-hmm. on how many steps that they can take or keeping people accountable. And that connectivity is important for seniors who don't necessarily have the accountability to get up and go all the time or don't necessarily have health on their mind from a priority perspective. The other thing I find really interesting about the connectivity side is in the future, or in the very near future, people won't have to physically go to their doctors each time they want questions answered because a lot of their information will be shared electronically as well. And I think that that's going to be some of the beauty about being able to integrate connectedness within the senior population as we as we start to see those needs mm-hmm. start to flourish, that we can start to equate all of it so that somebody stops and says, hey, you know what, I'm savvy on my mobile, I understand how to connect my information, I can send it to my doctor, 
I can send it to a practitioner for a second opinion. That's the stuff that I'm looking forward to when it comes down to health and wellness and being connected. And you're right about the accountability and the sharing. I, sh- I work out every day and I share it every day on Instagram stories. Probably super annoying for a lot of people. But a lot of people say they like that I do that. And you know what? It's for me. It keeps me accountable. It's like I'm done. Uh, I can share my right. photo and move on with my day. And I think you bring up a really good point. We're not in a phase anymore with the use of social media where somebody else is making the rules. Mm-hmm. Individually, you have a personal experience, whether you go on it every day or you go on it, you know, once a week. But when we start to understand that that utility is there to stay connected with people, we can't overemphasize the fact that whether it's a senior population or it's kids, there has to be a certain amount of digital literacy so that you understand that these tools are available. Because in some cases, they can be a matter of education and survival. Absolutely. And what are, you know, some of the dangers we should look out for? Well, the dangers specifically amongst people who don't necessarily keep abreast of what's happening in cybersecurity, etc., are pretty clear that I would love to rhyme off right now. So one is, obviously, we're still in a situation where phishing happens a lot on, on email and people send emails that are nefarious. They might look proper. They might look like they're from a company you've made an order from. Just be very careful because that is still a big problem when it comes down to cybersecurity and people hacking into people's information. And the second part is that in much of your social media, uh, regardless of what age you are, you've put yourself in a situation where you've used social media platforms to document so much of your life. I think as we start to see different generations on the internet, it's important to have legacy contacts on our social media because you know your family ha- wants some of that information. And they, you know, if anything has ever happened to you, you want to make sure that you're able to share that information with the people who actually have rights to it. And the last thing I want to mention with reference to this is as much as you love to shop online, I'd still be very careful about what websites, etc., you mm-hmm. spend your money on. Social shopping is a big, big thing right now. You'll feel like you're on Facebook and all of a sudden you're shopping in somewhere. You're, you'll feel like somebody sent you a gadget that you really like, like a kitchen gadget, and you'll go onto a website and you're off of social media shopping on another website now. So just be clear about where you're sharing your information because it, it's still uh, the wild west out there. And you share tons of good information, of course, on your website, Mo, at dadspotting.com. And we can find you on Twitter at MoHitsMovie. Instagram at Mohid Rajans and on Facebook at Dad Spotting Crew. Thanks again so much. Always learn so much from you. My pleasure, Kathy. Anytime. Thanks. Ross Petty is the producer and star of 25 years of family musicals at the Elgin Theatre in Toronto. He's performed on Broadway and in London's West End, and he was a featured performer on ABC Television's All My Children. The self-proclaimed maestro of mayhem will personally bid farewell to several generations of cheering audiences and return to the stage in his favorite role, the villainous Captain Hook. Peter's final flight plays at the Elgin Theatre from December 2nd to January the 7th. Frankly, I missed the booze, says Ross, and he joins me here now. Good morning, Ross. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Kathy. Good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. So 25 years at the Elgin Theatre. What's that like? You know, the history of that has got to be something. Yeah, 25 years seems to have gone by in a flash. (laughs) Uh, Yep. (laughs) Like life in general. But, you know, essentially, uh, as you suggest, it's 25 years of the Elgin, but we've, we've actually been doing our shows for 27 years because we had uh, two virtual shows during the first two years of COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of an interesting uh, element because uh, we were able to reach the entire country. So um, we really kind of 
helped uh, get our recognition factor out there across uh, Canada. But uh, for this, our 25th year, it's also uh, going to be our farewell year. Um, I know. I'm so sad. <laughs> I know. I've been getting so many emails and calls from a lot of folks who have been seeing our shows over all those years. And uh, they were saying, but what, what's going to happen? Where can we go <laughs> exactly. during the Christmas holidays? And I say, well... We'll have to try and find somebody else to take this over. But we've certainly been speaking to a few uh, theater companies, and uh, I'm not sure that they can take it over in the same way that we have right. performed it for 25 years at the Elgin. So I think it could really be the final wrap-up. Well, the good news is you're back on stage. You're going to be back as Captain Hook, your favorite villain, I think. Yes, indeed. Yes, because the show is called, uh, it's a brand new version of Peter Pan, and we're calling it Peter's Final Flight to kind of tie in with uh, our farewell show. And yes, I retired from being uh, on stage as the villain back in 2015, which was our last time that we did Peter Pan. But you know what? For a farewell show, I thought I just have to come back one more time. You got to get those booze one more time. I just missed the booze. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I saw that original Peter Pan. It was with Kurt Browning, I think. Well, no, actually, oh. uh, the one that Kurt did was back in 2007, oh, okay. uh, where he was Peter Pan and I uh, was Captain Hook at that time right. again. But the last one, as I say, uh, that we did before now was 2015. I loved working with Kurt. He was fantastic. It was awesome. And so you've had so many stars, like Kurt Browning. Tell me about some of the stars you've had from the shows and some of your sort of favorite appearances. Well, you know, going way back to when we first started the shows back in 1996 uh, at the Elgin, that was a production of Robin Hood, mm-hmm. and uh, my dear wife, Karen Kane, was uh, in that show, and it was actually the last panto that she did, because prior to being at the Elgin, we used to do shows at the Royal Alex in the 80s, and maybe some of your uh, mm-hmm. listeners remember those early shows, and we did a number of pantos that Karen was in uh, at the Royal Alex. Who else have we had? Well, Mr. Dressup, Ernie mm-hmm. Coombs, did three of my shows at the early years at the Elgin. And, oh, my God, I miss that man to this day. He was such a lovely, dear, sweet, jovial, mm-hmm. funny guy. I think I saw that one, too, and I saw Erin Davis, I'm pretty sure. Yes, Erin Davis. Yeah. Uh, well, I caught her between gigs <laughs> on radio. <laughs> and Brett the Hitman mm-hmm. Hart was in uh, my production of Aladdin back in... Uh, 2004 and 2006, he was the genie in Aladdin. And, you know, I always remember seeing uh, Brett for the first time. Uh, I met him at the Royal York Hotel, and we got a chat uh, about whether he could be interested in doing a family musical. And he said, Ross, I've been beat up so many times (laughs) in the ring, and it would just be wonderful to be able to be uh, integrated into a family show. And he he was really terrific. I loved Brett. And what I love about your shows too, Ross, is you always include new talent, new singing talent, and the performers bring some new life to it, obviously, but also bring in the audiences. The audience are always from, you know, from 2 to 92, right? So the families love your shows. You know, that's part of it. Do you think that's, what's the gist of why everyone loves your shows so much? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, some of those, some of the more recent uh, young talents that we've had in the shows are, uh, I think people will remember Shalina Kennedy. Mm Mm-hmm who played The Little Mermaid for me, and uh, Shalina has gone on to great, great success in New York. Uh, She starred as Carol King in the Broadway production of Beautiful. 
Um, Jake Epstein was also in the Broadway production of Beautiful, and he played Spider-Man on Broadway. And Jake did two of my productions. Another favorite of mine it was Laird McIntosh, who did a couple of my pantos early on, and uh, he's really just exploded in New York again on Broadway. He's playing the Phantom uh, oh, wow. on the Great White Way. But one young woman that I'm extraordinarily proud of is Melissa O'Neill, who did uh, Snow White, and she did Beauty and Beauty and the Beast for me, and she's now one of the main stars of the ABC TV series The Rookie. So she's done extraordinarily well. So those are some of the young talents that we had in our shows as well. And not to call them old talents, because that would be rude, but Dan, <laughs> Dan Shamroy is back as Plumbum and Eddie Glenn, of course, as Smee. And those, I mean, it wouldn't be, right, a farewell show or a show at all without those two. Well, you're, you're so right. I mean, Plumbum is such an iconic, legendary creation <laughs> by Dan Shamroy. Just the weirdest, strangest human person <laughs> possible. Uh, yep. <laughs> she's actually kind of the um, uh, our version of Tinkerbell in this version of Peter's Final Flight as Plumbum. And, uh, and for those folks who saw Chicago at Stratford this year, well, Dan was the very handsome romantic lead in uh, Chicago. He played uh, Billy Flynn, the I lawyer. I saw it. I saw it. It was wonderful. He was fantastic in it. So when you, when you see him on stage as the handsome leading man, and then you see him as, <laughs> as Plum Bum, Bum. this really weird, strange uh, character, uh, it, it's really a, a tribute to his talent. And uh, yes, you mentioned Eddie Glenn. Mm-hmm. Everybody's favorite redhead, and Eddie is going into his 20th year with me of 25 years of the Elgin. Everybody loves Eddie. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I agree with what you were saying at the start of the show, that we're not going to know what to do with ourselves next holiday season. We'll feel a little bit bereft about it. But for this holiday season, you are freezing the prices from 2019. So tickets are as low as $29, and you'll be running at the Elgin in Toronto from December 2nd to January 7th. Where's the best place to go to get those tickets, Ross? I think the easiest. The easiest place to go, uh, Kathy, is to my website, okay. rosspetty.com. And you're right. I mean, you know, I, I know everybody's worried about inflation these days. That's the major topic of conversation everywhere you go. And uh, I haven't uh, raised my ticket prices since, since our last live show, which was in 2019. And uh, I, I just want to make sure that the public is able to see uh, our productions and not have to worry about how expensive they may be. That's terrific for all the young families. And I know for you know grandparents and grandkids who are going to enjoy the show this year, myself included. Uh-huh. If we also want to see you on social media, we can go to at the Ross Petty on Twitter or Ross Petty Pro on Instagram. Thanks again, Ross. I'm really looking forward to the show again this year. Thanks, Kathy. Really appreciate talking. Take care. As Principal Trust Specialist for RBC Royal Trust Professional Practice Group, Tom Grosinger provides ongoing legal and technical analysis for a national team of trust professionals within one of Canada's longest-standing financial institutions. A certified specialist in estates and trust law by the Law Society of Ontario, Tom is a frequent speaker and writer on issues related to estates and trusts. His articles have appeared in legal education programs and in publications like the Estates, Trust, and Pensions Journal. Tom and his wife, Carrie Lynn, recently became proud grandparents to Ellie Rose Keys, their first granddaughter born in October. Tom's other title is now OPA. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for being part of our Take 5 with RBC series this morning. 
Thank you, Kathy, and hello to all of your listeners. It's a real honor and privilege to be part of this program. So we're going to talk about estate planning for your pet. So many Canadians have a pet. In fact, 8.1 million cats and 7.7 million dogs in 2020. But when we look at the findings from a recent survey by RBC Royal Trust, 52% of Canadians still don't have a will, and that jumps to 70% for those ages to 18 to 34. So if you don't have a will, what happens to these beloved pets when you pass. Well, Kathy, if you die without a will, you're considered to have died intestate. Now, that means that your estate will be distributed according to statutory rules that are in place in your jurisdiction. Um, You could say that the government has written your will for you. Now, because pets are considered property, they will be distributed according to those rules. But issues can arise, for example, where the rules may require that the estate be distributed between more than one individuals. While dividing investments or proceeds from the sale of your house is one thing, but how do you deal with a pet in such cases? In addition, even though they are considered an asset of the estate, the reality is that pets require immediate and ongoing care while your estate is being administered. And in fact, this has been underscored by news reports that as a result of the pandemic, animal shelters were experiencing an inflow of pets from owners who became ill and needed to go to hospital, and in some cases, sadly, didn't make it back to their homes. Now, while animal shelters were sometimes able to get in touch with family members who then took in the pet, this wasn't always the case which is why guardianship of your pets and proper pet care shouldn't be overlooked. While it's been stated that 76% of pet owners feel it's important to care for a pet in the event of death or illness, only 7% have actually created a plan to do so. Time and time again, people tend to forget their dogs and cats and other pet animals when they're drafting their will. I'm a perfect example. My wife bought a rescue horse not too long ago, and we inadvertently forgot to include provisions for the horse's care in her will. My wife is now having to consider doing so by way of a codicil. So, if you want your pet to be cared for when you are no longer around to do so, you need to include them in your estate plan. And Canadian law continues to consider pets to be personal property. Therefore, they do not have the capacity to receive gifts made in the wills by their owners. So what are some strategies that a pet owner could consider to ensure their pet is taken care of in their estate planning? Let's briefly look at three options. The first is a testamentary gift. Now, in this estate planning option, you as a pet owner would make a gift in your will of your pet to a trusted individual, along with money to enable the beneficiary to care for your pet during your pet's life. This may seem like a simple solution, you know, so long as your beneficiary doesn't die before your pet, or become insolvent or bankrupt with the result that the gifted money might vanish into the hands of creditors. Another option is a pet trust. A pet trust is where a third party holds funds for the benefit of your pet. A trust for the maintenance of a specified pet is one of the limited so-called non-charitable purpose trusts that the common law permits. However, there are a few matters you will need to consider if you want to make a pet trust to care for your pet. So, for example, there's no guarantee that the person you appoint to be the trustee will honor the arrangement to oversee your pet, since your pet is not in a position to enforce the terms of the trust. And one possible way to overcome this concern may be to provide in the terms of the trust for the appointment of a protector, whose role is to supervise the trustee. Also, if you appoint an individual trustee, what happens if he or she becomes incapable or dies? Therefore, including an alternate trustee appointment would be important. Now, some Canadian common law jurisdictions provide that certain non-charitable purpose trusts, which include pet trusts, may only last for a period of 21 years. As some pets have the potential to live beyond 21 years, a pet trust may not achieve your objective of lifetime caring for your pet if the law applicable to your pet trust limits its duration. And of course, not to be overlooked are tax considerations for validly created pet trusts. For example, 
Trustees must ensure any tax filings required under Canadian income tax rules are completed each year. The last option we will look at is to check with your local Humane Society for a foster program. For example, the Ottawa Humane Society Pet Stewardship Program allows a pet parent to enter into an agreement with the Ottawa Humane Society, or the OHS, for the care of a pet following the pet owner's death. The pet owner agrees to pay a stipulated fee to the OHS to be included in the pet owner's will, along with a gift to the OHS of possession of the pet. Pet owners can then provide wishes concerning the level of care for their pet, and upon their owner's death, the OHS will take custody of the pet and search for an appropriate caregiver with whom to place the pet. The OHS will then monitor the arrangement and could take back the pet if there are issues with the care being provided. Thank you so much for the such important information. If we want to look up more, we can go to rbc.com slash Royal Trust. Thanks so much for this today, Tom. Thank you very much, Kathy. I first met Ross Petty years ago when we were working together to secure sponsorship for his shows, and we've stayed in touch. My kids think I'm pretty cool because I got them backstage to meet Ross on more than one occasion. His show and his energy on the theatre circuit will be sorely missed. Thank you, Ross, for so many years of fun and frivolity. A reminder that the show is running from December 2nd to January 7th, and you can get tickets at rosspetty.com. Thanks, Mohit, for reminding us that we are forever learning and excelling at new skills, no matter what our age. And I'd be remiss if I missed mentioning my social media handles, something I don't think I've done on the show before. But you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under my name, Kathy Buckworth. I share all kinds of guest information and resources today's grandparents want to know about. Next week, we are all about journeys. We have the inspiring story of Jody Ekakowitz, a Toronto-based PR professional who, at the age of 51, decided to get in the best shape of her life. With 55 pounds gone, she's telling me how she made it happen and how her virtual coach, a Canadian based in Mexico, became an integral part of her and her husband's life, all from her own home gym. She'll tell us how she got started and how you can too. And we journey out into my beautiful home province of Ontario with Lisa Sefton from Destination Ontario as she tells us how to plan the perfect winter activity season. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with some straight talk about the flu shot in our continuing journey to protect our health. Thanks for dropping in again and make a note to do it again next Saturday at 7.30 or to catch up on all of our fabulous guest interviews on the podcast at any time. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.